Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. From public transit to cars to bikes, this one goes out to all the commuters out there. First the burn interchange, now the Kennedy. IDOT announces a new project that will impact the expressway for three years. The Kennedy is going to be a, a mess, even more of a mess than usual. Gearing up for the NASCAR Cup Series' first ever street race. The race will impact streets and traffic in downtown Chicago, and it includes shutting down some of the city's busiest and most important roadways. Traffic in Chicago has been so bad these days, and from the looks of it, it's only going to get worse. With more construction comes more congestion, and more congestion means a longer commute. With us to discuss the impact of recent traffic on Chicagoans is Audrey Wenink, Senior Director of Transportation at the Metropolitan Planning Council, and Rick Resnick, owner of See It All Minibus Tour Company. So Rick, you started your company 15 years ago, and you're also a driver. Have you experienced traffic this bad in Chicago? Well, up until now, it's kind of typical. Um, with the festivals. There's that Sueños Festival a couple of weeks ago where it gets bad, and Lollapalooza, of course, always a terrible time mm-hmm. to try to get around right. that, that part of town. Um, but I think what's coming up is going to put those to shame, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know what you're hinting at, but we, we will definitely get into that in a, a moment. What about you, Audrey? What are your thoughts on traffic right now versus what you've seen over the years? Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty bad. I mean, we're sort of recovering from COVID, so people are really coming out and really excited to be attending events. Um, we've always had the Cubs and the baseball games. That always affects traffic. Um, but with construction on Lakeshore Drive and the Kennedy at the same time and upcoming NASCAR, it's a lot. Yeah. So Audrey just mentioned construction. <laughs> Let's talk about construction and lane closures. But there is also changing behavior with hybrid work. As you talked about, we're sort of recovering from this pandemic, right? Let's listen to this voicemail that we got from Lindsay, who works downtown. Since my company has returned to the office in the loop, the majority of my coworkers who live in both the suburbs and the city now drive to work, where pre-pandemic, they used to always take CTA or Metra. When asking them why they drive, because they constantly complain about how bad the traffic is now, they've explained to me that parking prices in the loop have dropped dramatically since the pandemic. And therefore, since they're only going in one to two times a week, it's much cheaper for them to park downtown. And they just, regardless of the traffic, they drive. So Lindsay mentions a couple things there. She's talking about hybrid work schedules as well as low parking rates. So, Audrey, how much do you think that those things are contributing to what we are seeing? Yes, she summarized it really, really well. I think Um, when people are making the calculation of commuting five days a week and they're paying for parking versus one or two days a week and paying for parking, they're making a different calculation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You travel through downtown a lot, uh, Rick, through all the areas that we know and love. So just describe for us what your route is and some of the sightseeing spots that you highlight on the tour. Right. Well, basically, the tour starts with the hotels downtown. Okay. And then we head out to the Buckingham Fountain, which is a very popular stop when mm-hmm. it's when it's on. Um, and then out to Museum Campus for the skyline view from the planetarium. 
And uh, those are the areas, of course, that are most affected by the summer activities that are here. Uh, then it goes up north. It goes up the Magnificent Mile through the Gold Coast and Lincoln Park. So it takes in different parts of town. But definitely a popular, real popular part of the tour is the Buckingham Fountain Museum campus segment. So that means you are taking folks on DuSable Lakeshore Drive. What's that, that like? Well, um, I think a lot of people know whenever Columbus is closed, it has this amazing ripple effect on the parallel streets, parallel roads, especially DuSable Lakeshore Drive. Yeah. And um, it, it slows everything down. And, you know, there are times that we have no access to the fountain or different things. And, and that's not uh, people aren't happy about that when that happens. But uh, it's just, you know, part of taking a tour in a big city, I guess. Mm-hmm. You've talked about how just various events happening in the city will affect your your day to day. So I'm imagining yes. Memorial Day weekend, which we just saw, and the Swift the, the Swifties were out for that, the Taylor Swift concert. Exactly, exactly. Last that, and Memorial Day was interesting because it was not only that festival in the park, but also there was the uh, uh, parade. So getting around right. was really tough, you know. Then, but uh, like I said, it was doable. You know, you, you kind of learn over time how to get around things and get to places. But uh, we'll see what's going to be coming up uh, at the end of this month and early next month. Well, tell me more about that. Like, h- how do you get around things? Like, what happens when you are stuck in traffic, for instance? There are, you know, I mean, in rare occur- rare uh, occurrences, we have to actually drop and stop. I mean, eliminate a stop, basically, from the tour, which people, you know, in this day and age, people like to review things. And if you don't go to the places you say you go, you can pay for it, you know, that mm-hmm. way sometimes, depends on the people. Um, so, uh, you know, basically, uh, like I said, we just try to get off of the drive as soon as we can and, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, maybe go inland a little bit more to get to where we're going. So there, we, we can get around it usually. Are you using Google Maps or are you a Waze guy? <laughs> um, I'm just a guy that's been here for a long time. Yeah, you're just a Chicagoan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, you you talked about sometimes not being able to hit all the stops, which I know can totally affect, of course, your your tour. What does that lead to as far as the, the folks who are on your bus? I mean, are they taking it out on you, maybe going and writing bad reviews? or? Well, usually they're understanding. Most people okay. are good. But yeah, here and there, you'll get somebody who will, you know, make mention of it and maybe take away some stars or whatever you get on that particular review site. Um, you know, for things you really have no You're control over. blamed for the bad traffic, Rick. How yes. does that make you feel? I've seen boat tour companies get blamed for bad weather, boat tour companies. So, you know, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, I guess you you can't avoid it. So in your view, Audrey, I mean, is there some sort of silver bullet secret route that drivers can take to get around? Transit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's I mean, the roads can only carry so many cars. And if you just you just heard if people are shifting from transit, which they used to take to driving, there's more traffic than there used to be, and the roads are going to be in gridlock, and we've reduced capacity because we've taken away lanes. And so the only solution is really to go to more high-capacity travel, which is transit and biking and walking. You can actually move more people in the same amount of space. Well, you bring up a good point, right, that there's construction on the Kennedy, for instance. So are, are we seeing an increase in ridership then on the CTA or, or Metra because of that? Absolutely. Actually, Metra said that on the floor line serving the north uh, part of the, the region, uh, ridership is way up. It's up 30 percent. And so that, and that's what should happen um, when there's construction. Um, IDOT is promoting using transit and that's what should happen. And hopefully we see people change their behavior as they experience the reliability, the ability to multitask, mm-hmm. um, the safety, the lack of 
road rage that they experience that maybe they're going to uh, move back to take in transit. There is something about being able to sort of get rid of that 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 stress of, of you know road rage and so forth, and just kind of letting someone else do the driving. Someone like Rick. <laughs> sure. <laughs> maybe I'm speaking for myself here, uh, but but how does that affect you, Rick? That traffic on the Kennedy, for instance. Well. In a, in a way, our tour doesn't go that direction. But what happens is people sometimes will arrive on a flight that morning. Mm-hmm. And they, they booked a tour for, say, 1 o'clock that afternoon. And suddenly where it's now taking an hour and a half plus to get in, sometimes it's making things a little bit dicey. Um, you know, they don't want to. You might be late to join your tour. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, there's that effect on, on my business. That's about it as far as, you know, the Kennedy is concerned for me. So we put this question out earlier this week to, to folks who listen to the show and folks who are on Twitter. And we heard from a lot of people about how traffic is affecting them. Here's a comment that we got from Moira on Twitter. She says, quote, we commute North Center to Hyde Park on Lakeshore Drive. It's the worst it's ever been. School ends at 330 and Waze has consistently been quoting a one-hour and five-minute drive home. It's definitely impacting our evenings at home with two kids. Sounds tough, right, Rick? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've all mentioned this. How How is this affecting your morale as someone who has to be out there every day? I mean, this is your bread and butter. Right, exactly. Um, well, once again, you know, we actually made, we try to put our tours in between rush hours to eliminate, you know, the worst of the traffic. But, you know, certainly you have to weave more stories and, you know, be more, you know, uh, engaging with the people for a longer amount of time when you get stuck in the traffic. So there's more entertaining going on on the bus. A- attempts. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a voice memo that we got from Wade on the city's northwest side. I live in Jefferson Park and work near Loyola Rogers Park. Though I take neither the Kennedy or DuSable Lakeshore Drive, everyone now takes side streets to avoid those two which turns my normal routes on Devon and Peterson into parking lots. So, Audrey, he's decided to bike because it's faster, and we know that he's not alone in that. Uh, Tell us more about how construction and congestion, how they really just create opportunities for folks to consider different ways of getting around the city. Yeah, I mean, if you really want to have control over your life, cycling is a great option because you're in control of where you're going and how fast you're going. You, If you're on a bike lane, you can go past the cars when they're in gridlock, and you'd be surprised at how quickly you can get places um, on a bike. You can, you can travel a few miles, you know, in just 20 minutes, and it's very reliable. And, um, you know, what we need to do is just have safe infrastructure for people so they, you know, they're they're safe and they're, they feel confident, but biking's a great option. Yeah. Why do you think that it's so important? To, to ride, I mean, to cycle, there's, there's so many benefits in terms of obviously the climate, you know, you're not, you're not uh, putting emissions into the air cost. I mean, driving is super expensive. And so if, if you can find a way to not spend money on gas or own fewer cars, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it costs about $10,000 a year to own and operate a car. If you're biking, it's free once you have your bike. I mean, and, and the ex, you can incorporate exercise into your day so you don't have to work out anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of benefits. Danielle on Twitter also chimed in. Here's what she said. She said, quote, I'll deal with the crazy traffic before I take public transportation. Traffic is terrible nowadays and will be worse during the summer but at least I have my music and AC while in my car. So, I mean, quite the opposite of what we were just discussing. But in your view, Audrey, I mean, what are some of the ways 
that public transit and walking and biking, you think, maybe can be incentivized? Yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly on the city and the transit operators to make those options more attractive. Um, So in terms of transit, uh, I think we all know that there have been some challenges in terms of um, reliability. The, there's a bit of reduced service right now. There's a lot of pressure. Yeah. On so, the, so given that, how yeah. can the CTA work on the perception and shift that? Right. Um, they need to be continuing to hire aggressively to fully staff um, their, you know, so that they can offer all the service that's on their schedules. Uh, they can have more staff, have a presence on um, transit so people feel comfortable. Um, They can be communicating about how they're making the rider experience better. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, just, you know, making sure that the apps are working so people are getting accurate information. That really is irritating. Um, So we all need to, we all need to keep the pressure on, um, talking to our elected officials, uh, talking to our transit agencies and saying, we want, we want to ride transit. We need you to be delivering customer-centered transit and we'll ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, good point. I see you <laughs> nodding there, Rick. You agree? <laughs> I, I definitely agree with that. Yes. Are you considering offering alternate routes maybe, you know, besides the downtown attractions and how would that work for you? Well, I mean, basically, like I said, I figured out how to get around the normal situations. Um, with the NASCAR upcoming event, that's going to be a lot more difficult. Uh, more road closures, uh, traffic yeah. really not moving in that part of town, as far as I can imagine, for a while. So um, I'm I mean, actually, when you first heard that that was coming, what was your reaction? I'm curious. I was not happy. <laughs> so I, cause I, I, I knew, I knew, I you know, I knew they're going to be having to shut down a lot of streets and you know, this construction. Um, so basically, I have decided to handle it by going on vacation. <laughs> so you're avoiding I'm it avoiding all it. I, I don't want to be around. You're to, just going to take time off in, in July. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, which is actually a tough time to take off because it's yeah. a busy time of the year. And, you know, it'd be a great time to be doing everything. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to be here to deal with that. So are you going to lose money then? Yeah. And that's OK because I, you'd rather take that option then sit through NASCAR traffic. Right, which is basically not going to be moving as far as I can tell. <laughs> we were just chatting about that too, Audrey. I mean, are you looking forward to, to NASCAR coming to town? I mean, not from the standpoint of presenting the city as a walkable, uh, you know, calm place. Uh, it's right. definitely a bit of the opposite. Um, and and it's going to cause a lot of uh, congestion, Um We'll just have to get through it. And again, you know, maybe it's going to help more people try other transportation options and, and get back on transit. We we talked to Alderman Daniel Espada of the First Ward. He's now the chair of the, the city's Pedestrian and, and Traffic Safety Committee. His committee is holding a meeting next week about the street closures. Here's a little bit of what he had to say. I'm hoping to ease both the confusion and the frustration that Chicagoans are experiencing in terms of what is the impact of these races on downtown. How does it impact my ability to get through downtown, to get through the park? Um, we really want to clarify this and allow both aldermen and members of the public to weigh in on this. I think a lot of it is confusion. I, I feel like we just don't know what to expect. 
Does it feel that way to you? Yeah, I think so. I think we need to really over-communicate this. Yeah. And, and this is coming like up. we're doing this, a lot of guesswork. This month. This is coming to the end of this month. So the city needs to over-communicate, show maps, show alternatives, uh, and, and, you know, talk about it all month so people are ready. Yeah. Some some more details about that meeting is that it will be held in the uh, city council chambers next Wednesday. That's on June 14th at 1.30. I mean, what else? And I want to hear from both of you on this, uh, Audrey. What else do you want city officials to consider here? I mean, potentially increasing transit service, um, increasing options, you know, really paying attention to the divvy bikes, making sure there there are not empty racks, that they're repositioning them quickly, and then all the other options are available to them. Yeah. And Rick, let's pretend you were staying in town, right? And this (laughs) is going to be a regular work weekend for you. What would you want city officials to know about what should be put in place so that this works out for everyone? Well, that's a tough question. Um, basically, um, uh, trying to keep some pathways open so people can get to where they need to get to. Um, you know, that'd be good. I mean, our tour is, unfortunately, in this kind of situation in a, in a mo- motor vehicle. It's a minibus, so we can't exactly start just walking or, right. or, or biking. So, um, what just about clearly marked routes for, for people who do have to drive into downtown? Right. Yes. Yes. So um, I would think that would be probably it. You know, I'm not sure what else they could do at this point uh, to make it better. Well, we'll see what they come up with at that meeting. Rick Resnick is owner of See It All Minibus Tour. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Audrey Wenning of the Metropolitan Planning Council is still with us. And joining us to dig into how Chicago's recent traffic is affecting cyclists is Sharon Hoyer, a cyclist and freelance journalist with Streets Blog Chicago. Sharon, have you seen more erratic driving? What I've seen is more frustrated driving. Um, okay. Congestion is so much worse than it used to be. And as I think was mentioned a little earlier, a lot of drivers are diverting to side streets. So even side streets are becoming slower. And then when there's openings, sometimes cars speed up a lot more quickly because mm-hmm. they've, they're so tired of being trapped in traffic. Um, so I would say... Uh, I'm seeing drivers that are are really tired of sitting in traffic, and that can lead to a little bit more erratic driving. How do you handle it uh, as a cyclist? I always try to be aware of what's around me and um, try to keep calm and make myself really visible Um, and, you know, not antagonize anybody who's already at a high level of frustration. Yeah. Um, So I try to use all of my senses, make sure that I'm visible and that um, I don't ride with headphones in. Um, Like your earlier caller who likes to have her music, I do too. So I have my little Bluetooth speaker so I can listen to music while I ride, but nothing in my ears obstructing Um, my ability to hear what's around me. Very good point. You're also a cyclist, Audrey. So, I mean, talk more about what you've noticed and, and how you handle it from the cyclist perspective. Yeah, I would agree. There's people are very aggressive these days. They're very frustrated. I think um, you have to be predictable in what you're doing as a cyclist. Um, signal with your hands. Um, just be careful because you are, uh, you know, a car is a 2,000 pound box of metal that can really hurt you. And so, uh, you know, I, I try to just be very, very conservative and, um, you know, not take risks. Um, I try to uh, stay, go with our protected bike lanes, if at all possible. So yeah. I'll take a slightly longer route if uh, to be safe. Uh, there's obviously the Lakefront Trail, which is a great option um, for, you know, getting up and down, north and south in the city. Um, so and, and just use your lights at night. Mm-hmm. Bring, bring lights. You, bring your safety equipment. Yeah. Um, and Sharon, intersections. 
uh, actually one of the most dangerous places for, for everyone, for drivers, pedestrians, and cyclists. Can you explain that? Right. Well, I mean, there's so many variables at play. <laughs> there are people coming from four or more directions in Chicago, mm-hmm. sometimes as many as, what, 12? Um, so you have pedestrians uh, crossing, you have cyclists um, turning right, turning left, cars turning right, left, straight. So it's really important for everybody, people in cars, people on bikes, people walking, to be really aware of what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and really check before you go, because you'll see more folks, maybe not more, maybe this has always been going on, but pushing lights. You know, the light may have changed, but one more car is trying to squeak through. Yeah. Sometimes a cyclist is trying to squeak through. Yeah, I so, see that a lot too. Yeah, yeah, and and it, it's really dangerous for everybody like involved. And I'm like, wait, how how do you, how come you get to keep going, Mr. Cyclist? Or you know, um, but yeah, no, we all just need to obey the rules of the road, right? For sure. Um, you know, I've also noticed that lanes get uh, closed um, and turned into bike lanes while there's construction, and then what the, what happens is bikes end up going into traffic. Right. Have you seen that too? Oh, yeah. And and I mean, sometimes you have cars parked in bike lanes. I, on my way down, I came down a protected bike lane on Elston, yeah. and I ran across a couple of vehicles, um, one from a city department blocking a lane. Really? I was very grateful that the car behind me gave me the, the, the space to, to go around, yeah. you know, and I gave them a thank you wave. It doesn't always happen. So uh, it's great for drivers to notice when there's a bike traveling alongside them, even if the lane is protected. And to your earlier point, we got this tweet from Blue Bear on Twitter who said, quote, people violate red lights. Uh, They use the turn lane to go straight. And one time I had a Jeep almost clip me as it used a very small breakdown lane to speed through. I mean, what are some of the more wild things that you've seen, Audrey, at intersections? Well, people will go from the driving lane and and careen around and take a right. Um, If there's a a bus parked mm-hmm. there or that's illegal or uh, or cars there's a lot of parking in um in bike lanes like was already mentioned which is you know cause can cause grave injury to cyclists when they're forced out into traffic yeah i think just um you know a lot of speeding too um speeding's a real issue uh i know we were talking about traffic so sometimes you're in gridlock but when when people get an opening they the they opposite speed yeah. and um, the the chance of killing somebody when you're speeding uh, it gravely increases. So like there's um, a much lower chance. I think it's like 10% chance of killing someone when you're going 23 miles an hour. Uh, and that goes up exponentially over 30 miles an hour, right. up to 50 miles an hour. I think you there's a 75% chance that you'll kill some a bicyclist or pedestrian if you hit them. And so Goodness. you need, need to remember that a car uh these you you're actually um exposing people to life and death situations it's not worth it mm-hmm. um drivers consider leaving a couple minutes earlier don't um don't put yourself in a situation where you feel like you're racing um and and you lose the ability to consider the dynamics of what are go- what's going around especially in the summer there's people walking cycling Absolutely. there's movement in every direction you need to be extremely alert and extremely attentive yeah i mean it, and it reminds me of what you started out talking about sharing when you said i'm i'm looking left and i'm looking right i'm looking all over the place i'm in the middle of teaching my 16 year old how to drive right now and just you know i 
I dread the day when we actually bring it from the parking lot to the roads because I've already been sort of telling her, you're going to have to like, you know, see that side mirror that we have? Like, that's where I pay attention to cyclists because they're coming from this direction. And and she's like, you know, taking notes sort of mentally. But I'm like terrified (laughs) of when she has to actually go out there and factor in all of the things, all of the movement that's happening all at once. Does that scare you at all when you're out there on a bike? Well, um, I I try not to to ride terrified. Um, I just try to ride aware. But I'm so glad to hear that you're teaching your daughter to check her side mirrors, oh, yeah. especially on the right, because a lot of drivers, when they're getting frustrated, trapped in traffic, will divert to a, a side street and maybe pull around the cars on the right into the shoulder to turn right. Yes. Really need to check if a cyclist is coming up alongside you first. And the thing is, I mean, I've only been here two years, but the setup of some of these intersections is, is quite new to me, just like with, you know, three or really like six, six ways, right? You know, I'm right. thinking of like Damon, Clyburn, Diversi, right? You know, where you can go literally in six different directions. And so at, at any given time, it's just, it could be madness right? if we're not careful. Right. And it's a really long crossing distance, too. And I'm sure it Audrey is. can talk about this a lot as well for pedestrians, for cyclists, especially for pedestrians trying to get across, maybe with signals that barely even allow them enough time to yeah. get across the street. Here's a message that we got from Ryan, who bikes from Lincoln Square downtown. He said that he's been noticing distracted drivers. You get a lot of drivers merging without using their turn signals and cutting across uh, bike lanes. Um, a lot of drivers that will uh, put their four ways on and just park in a bike lane when they have to run inside real quick. And that makes me uh, merge into traffic, which is never fun. So Audrey gave us some good uh, tips for drivers earlier. What do you want to add to that? What do you want drivers to keep in mind, Sharon? Um, Yeah, what we talked about, um, checking along the right side at intersections, just all around you. You know, um, the rules at intersections are different for cyclists. Those spots where you see those bike boxes, those big green boxes where the bikes can be out front. Yes. That's really good. That's a that's a safe position for the bike to be. Where those don't exist, a bicycle may come around the left side of a car that's going to turn right so they can continue straight. So just be aware at those intersections. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then um, one thing I'll just say, because it happened on my ride down here, is, uh, and you could teach this to your daughter as well, is the Dutch Open, which is reaching across your body with the right hand to open the driver's side door. So your body is forced to turn, and you can see who's coming behind you so that you don't door them when you open the door. Ah, that's a great tip. Mm -hmm. Uh, What safety tips should cyclists keep in mind when when they're trying to navigate the congested streets? I want to hear from both of you. I'll I'll start with you, Audrey. Yeah, I mean, I think... When you're riding in a bike lane, it's good to ride on the left side of the bike lane. So um, car drivers who are parked there, if they open the door so they can't hit you, um, again, hope the drivers are also looking as they open the door and not doing it when the, when there's a bike bicyclist. Um, do what feels safe. Like if there's a complex intersection, like you said, um, you know, maybe there are times when you want to just do one intersection you want to walk, mm-hmm. you know, and then you want to, it's like a, a, a box crossing where you, you don't ride all the way through the really, really huge intersection. Um, you just do one, one piece at a time. It might take a little bit longer, yeah, but I've you wondered just wondered about that. Yeah. I would, I would take it piece by piece. Yeah. I mean, there's no, I would be, I would be so intimidated to try to shoot it straight across. Right. 
Right, right. I mean, more and more intersections are being painted, so it shows the travel um, path for the cyclists in green. Um, so y- you may feel more confident if you have that, um, but there's still a lot more work to put uh, safe infrastructure down in the city. So um, we're not there yet. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts, Sharon, for, for cyclists? To keep in mind. Uh, sure. Yeah, I think all that's great. The only things I would add is um, to plan your route ahead of time, especially if you're going somewhere new. So the city has free bicycle maps you can pick up um, from pretty much any bike shop, I think typically has them. And that has marked, you know, calm routes, um, bike lanes. And then there's a really great resource online, the Mellow Bike Map um, for Chicago. You can plug in the address that you're at your destination, and it will show you calm side routes that Mm. may not have necessarily marked lanes, but might be more calm than streets that have a paint-only lane that doesn't separate a bicyclist from a car. I want to follow up on your mention earlier of that green box, just so so we're clear. How are drivers supposed to turn right at a light? Like, should they yield to cyclists who are in that green box? Ideally, the cyclist is positioning themselves so a reasonably sized vehicle can turn right. So the cyclist should be up front a little bit towards the left so that a right turning car where it's a, you know, a legal right turn on red can do so. Yeah. Yeah. You get around the city by bike, Sharon. You're often traveling from uh, Logan Square to Inglewood. That's here. Talk about the bike infrastructure and terrain that you experience on that journey. How much time do we have? Wow. (laughs) Um, I'm coming from a neighborhood that has... Uh, some of the most new and safe infrastructure. My my um, path begins on the Bloomingdale Trail or the 606, which mm-hmm. is an off-street trail, beautifully landscaped, no stops, separated from traffic. And then through my route, I, I have to go through, I have to cross the river and go through industrial areas, which are some of the more dangerous with heavy truck traffic, um, with high levels of pollution. Mm-hmm. Um, and then getting into Englewood, the traffic is more, uh, it's more calm Um, But there aren't any separated, or not really to speak of, any separated bike lanes that have any kind of protection. So there's some painted lanes. But again, it's a neighborhood where, you know, people aren't necessarily expecting to see cyclists and there's fast-moving traffic. So you have to be pretty aware and sticking to residential streets can be the safer route. What a stark contrast on just one one route. Yes. Yeah. So what can be done, Audrey, in in the short term, you think, to invest in bike infrastructure? And to make sure that bike lanes and and paths, that they're safer. Right. Well, the city just published a cycling strategy about a month ago. Um, The city is working on this. Uh, You know, there's sort of the short-term things you can do, which are painting, paint and post. You'll see that the plastic posts. You also see that they don't last forever, right? So that's an interim step if you want to quickly try to um, create space for cyclists, um, creates a little bit of a buffer uh, long term, we want to see protected lanes. Um, the city has developed a Vision Zero plan um, for the South Side. They're just they're just finishing that up, and I think that will cover Englewood um, with community engagement on what they need and where. And okay. so the city needs to implement those things. Um, the city. Chicago Department of Transportation um, has a complete streets team, but they need more people, too. They need more staff to do this faster. Um, But it's true that in the formerly industrial areas of the city, it's harder. There are also viaducts. There are a lot of viaducts under under roads, under railroads. Mm -hmm. Those prove to be barriers. We need to find creative solutions to uh, create pathways so um, people have entire routes. They're well lit. They're they're safe and, and appealing so yeah. so people can get where they need to go so they have a network 
we need to work towards that. And, and to that end, Sharon, I mean, what do you make of uh, our new mayor's plans to invest in biking and in public transit? And uh, what are you going to keep an eye on? Oh, I'm I'm very excited about it. I'm very hopeful. Yeah. Um, the the plan that Audrey referred to was released before he took office, and it's great to see a mayor who's committed, um, who's you know expressed commitment to developing bike and pedestrian infrastructure. And I think some of his appointments to certain committees, like Alderman Laspada, is very hopeful. Yeah. So yeah. So those are keeping an eye on it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> awesome. We'll leave it there. Audrey Wenning is the senior director of transportation at the Metropolitan Planning Council, and Sharon Hoyer is a cyclist and freelance journalist with Streets Blog Chicago. Thank you both so much. Thank, Thank you. you. This episode of Reset was produced by Linnea Dominic, and it was edited by Ethan Schwab and Stephanie Kim. Did you know that there are more ways to connect with Reset? You can sign up at wbez.org slash Reset News and get our newsletter to your inbox every morning. And don't forget, we are also on TikTok. So give us a follow at WBEZ underscore Reset. That's all for today. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Have a great day and drive safe. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.